0: Three, two, one. You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black. Is that that good? What
1: up? Welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I'm honored today I have with me.
2: My name is Terrence Wheatley. Uh, I played in the NFL for six years. I went to the University of Colorado and and now I am a sports executive uh, in the Phoenix area.
1: Oh, what's up? Well, first of all, welcome, Terrence. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. First off, I understand that you grew up in Texas. Were you born there as well?
2: No, no, I was actually born in Walnut Creek, so I was a East Bay guy. Um, and we moved after the eighty nine earthquake, and then we okay. actually went from there to North Carolina, where I spent like my younger years, like elementary school.
1: Okay. That's where I'm from. Which part?
2: Okay. So I grew up in Carborough, a little tiny little town right outside Chapel Hill. So grew up there. And then we moved from there to to Dallas where I I grew up, uh, probably basically from middle school on.
1: Very interesting.
2: So I've been all over the country.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have, real quick, do you have like a a favorite or is that unfair? I
2: think that's unfair. I mean, as a kid, I don't think it really matters where you live. I I had a hell of a time in, in North Carolina. I grew up in the woods and fishing and camping and all these different things. And then when we got to to Dallas, it was more like the suburbs, right? Dallas was exploding back then. So mm-hmm. I still did all that stuff, just not as much. But um uh, I, I think I think deep down I'm always gonna be a Texas guy.
1: I feel that. I feel that. That's what, I mean, I've, that's what I hear. That's what I understand
2: that
1: there. That's well, getting into all of that. And obviously you being an athlete at what age do you have a pinpoint of when you started really getting into football or realizing you were good at
0: it?
2: Ah, shit. Football was the last sport I played. I played everything else first. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I, uh, I grew up running track. My, both my parents ran track. Uh, At Arizona State, Uh, my dad had a chance to go to the Olympics and all that fun, great stuff. So that's kind of how I grew up. Track, baseball, then basketball, football. Football was one of those sports to where my parents didn't want me to play because, you know, they thought I would get hurt, which in hindsight, they were were pretty damn accurate on that one. Um, So I didn't start playing football really till the fifth grade. And I didn't like getting hit. I didn't want anybody to touch me. If it was flag football, I would have been the best shit at it um and so for me like I didn't really kind of like truly dive into it probably till right around eighth grade is when I really got into it
1: interesting yes that is what I am learning as I'm talking to athletes is I think ignorantly just I always kind of assume that the individual had one tunnel vision for one activity and that just really seems to not be the case
2: no we all kind of do everything right I mean football for me, like I always wanted to play it and always did like in the backyard and stuff. Right. But I just, I never played it, you know, with a, with a rec league or anything like that. And flag football back then didn't exist. Um, so for me, it was up to my parents. And then by the time I got to to fifth grade, getting ready to go to middle school, I think they realized they couldn't stop me at that point because I could pick whatever sport I wanted. Um, so I play football, basketball, ran track, baseball, all that stuff, uh, basically all throughout high school.
1: Well, fascinating. So also a random weird question that I have is when you are in the moment of playing the sport, regardless of college or high school or NFL and, you know, all the focus is on you, do you just block that out or...
2: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you when you, um, I think when you first get into it, like in high school, because it's so new to having the amount of people watching you, you're always kind of looking around and you kind of try to find your parents and shit like that, make sure they're around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, when you get to college, I mean, you just got so much information that you're trying to process and the plays are different, obviously in high school, it's very, very basic. But then when you get to college, I don't have time to be giving a shit what the crowd is doing. The only thing like with my position being a DB was the crowd would basically tell me when the ball's in the air. Mm-hmm. So for me, I could listen to crowd noise as I'm running with my back turn. And if all of a sudden the crowd gets louder, either there's a quarterback sack, something's happening back there or the ball's in the air. And so all of a sudden, like that type of noise I'm more aware to, as opposed to just kind of like this dull roar um, when you get to the sideline, obviously people talk shit to you and you deal with that. But, you know, outside of that, you don't pay attention to that stuff.
1: Also another, I'm all about different parts of the country. And obviously I understand that you played high school, Texas football, the vibe of football in Texas. What is, how is that different than Colorado with just the difference, obviously that now you're playing college ball. Is yeah. there,
2: there's a, there's a big difference. Cause like, I mean, everybody everybody says it, but until you like experience Texas football, I mean, it's it's damn near a religion, right? I mean, yeah, small towns out in East Texas and West Texas, they shut shit down and they go to the game. Um, Homecoming is a big deal. Um, I mean, when I played my my high school stadium held probably twelve thousand people, and that was back in. You know, we're talking 2001, 2002. So you could imagine now with these big ass stadiums that they're building. I mean, you know, we actually just moved to Phoenix from from Dallas, but right across the street from us at Prosper, I mean, I believe their stadium is like 15,000 and they have suites and all, all this shit that you just can't replicate, right? So if you look at from a high school perspective, I mean, Texas, Florida, California is just different. You can't you can't describe it. I'm not saying that the athletes are significantly better. Obviously, we come from all parts of the country. But in terms of like an experience, there's nothing like Texas football. It's just something you got to go do once. Uh there's a couple old school stadiums still around. There's one in El Paso, actually, that's really cool. It's actually cut into the side of the mountain. And what they did is they put the old high school like right next to it. So if you think of almost like a Friday night lights, like what you have in your head. That's that. It's, it's an old iconic stadium. Uh, Google it, check it out. It's super cool. You basically look, look out over all of El Paso and Mexico.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm just
2: it. It's wild. It's, 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 it's some crazy, crazy stuff, man. Um, you know, when I, when I transitioned to, to college, you know, there's always this perception of athletes kind of being shell-shocked. But I think when you look at the guys that come from certain parts of Texas, certain parts of California, when you're when you're used to playing in front of tens of thousands of people, you know, my first game ever in college was at uh, the Old Mile High Stadium in in Denver. We were playing Colorado State, and, you know, obviously that hole was like 60,000. Um, it wasn't full. We were probably at maybe like 50,000, but I didn't give a shit, right? I was kind of used to it. Um, -hmm. you know, crowd noise is roughly the same, you know, basically the same amount of people. Um, so the transition for me was same old stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Now, what was any how did your body adjust to like playing in the cold?
2: Shit sucks when you're from Dallas. (laughs) Um, but here's the catch. So when I was getting recruited, uh, the DB coach and the, the defense coordinator, they used to come out all the time. And they, you know, recruiting period was typically in the fall. And Dallas actually is colder than Boulder. Boulder gets more days of sunshine than damn near any other place in the country. Uh, you're talking over 300 days of sunshine. And when it is cold there, it's, you know, 30 degrees, 20 degrees, but it's dry, right? And so it's not, doesn't get in your bones. It's just, it's different. And then in Dallas, when it's cold, I mean it—it it sucks because oh, it's like a heavy, wet, cold. It just—it's not—not fun at all. Now, I've never played in snow in uh, in Texas until I got to Colorado, and that was a learning experience trying to figure that out. And then fast forward—you know, playing in New England, playing in the snow there is a whole nother ball of wax.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I, I before we transition to your NFL experiences, what I I know, you know, and obviously too, I tell guests this. Like, I do research, but I don't want to do too much because I don't want to like fan out or like just know too much stuff. Yeah. But I understand that you had quite a few injuries throughout college. Is that was that yeah. just? I don't know how you get used to that. I don't know what was that ex- those experiences like.
2: Uh, you. I don't think you ever get used to that. Um. You know, I I got some pretty crazy ass stories in terms of injuries and surgeries and driving up to Vail every two weeks to go see my surgeon who works for the USC ski team. Um, You know, I I think I had 10 surgeries, maybe 12 surgeries alone in college trying to fix the same problem. Um, And, you know, you still got to go to class. Right. So imagine you're dealing with, you know, the frustration of not being able to play The way you want to play because your body doesn't allow you to do it because all of a sudden you have these injuries you're still Mm -hmm. trying to go to class but then the doctor who you have to go see is a two-hour drive away one way that you have to go to and then you got to drive all the way back and you're still trying to juggle social life academics practice and so i mean i probably went up to bale or breckenridge depending on which office he was at you know anywhere from Four times a month to six times a month. It just depended on what was going on. Um, you know, there was a couple of years where I had multiple surgeries. Uh, one surgery, as crazy as it sounds, they were trying to figure out, because I had a I had a condition to where I was losing blood flow uh to the bones. And so the bones were basically kind of falling apart. They were like applesauce almost. <laughs> And so we were trying to kind of pinpoint kind of where the problem was at. So they did a procedure where they basically shoot dye into your arm. And so what they do is they take a little metal wire, go through your main artery. And so you have a couple of different options. And they went through my leg up and it goes kind of through your heart or near your heart. I I don't know if it goes through your heart, but up through all of this into your arm. And you got to be awake for all of it. Right, because you can't you can't move because they're trying to take pictures. So they shoot dye into your into your your veins and all that, and they try to map all of it. But it burns like hell when they do it, <laughs> and they can't give you anything. because so you got to stay awake. And so that was a that was a pretty gnarly one. Another one that I had to do is you know, one of the last ones when they fuse my wrist together. They basically take take the the, the bottom half of your wrist. They shave all those bones down basically connected to the other side, you put a metal plate on it. So I had a, my first one was a titanium plate, uh, which was a little bit thinner, but it gave me more flexibility while the, the bones healed, which in hindsight didn't work because I broke the shit in the second game of the year. So I played my entire junior year with a broken metal plate in my hand.
0: Right. And then
2: we had to take that out, put a new one in, take another bone graft from my hip. So basically what they do is they get a drill, drill into your hip scoop out as much of the bone as they can, put it into your wrist and kind of hope shit works. And then you get a, what they call an external fixator, which is just a big looking bar with big posts in it. So you'll, you'll put a post in your wrist, a post in your forearm, and it basically holds it outside of the, out out of the socket. So there's no pressure so the bones can heal. And I had to wear that in the cold, which sucks by the way. Um, I think for almost four months. Uh, so I was I was dealing with a lot injury wise. That people, I mean, they see the stories about the injuries, but they don't necessarily. There's see no way for that. you to
1: understand. Yeah, correct. And also, let you, you was it almost kind of reading in between the lines? Were you kind of under obviously under the medical terminology? Were you kind of like an unsolved mystery as to all these things that were going on, or is this? You know, is this considered because I tell people I journalism background obsessed with everything media driven and history driven. So I'm not like, you know, I'm not a Howard Coastal where I just know all these sports things. So is that, quote, unquote, normal for an athlete or (laughs)
0: abnormal?
2: It was very, very abnormal. I'll I'll tell you, I mean, everybody deals with injuries. Right. Uh Right. and, and when I had this injury, it was just a dislocated wrist. I was going up in practice and I fell in what we call extension, popped the bone out this way and actually turned it upside down. So your carpal tunnel sits right here and I basically blew it all out, which leads to all the problems. Um, most people don't have injuries like that, right? It's broken bones or a dislocated shoulder. Nothing. You would think something as small as dislocating your wrist wouldn't be a big deal. But when as soon as you start to damage the blood vessels and all that, now you have bigger issues. Um, And so when I first had the injury, we thought it was going to be okay. Still had some blood flow, not a lot. Come to find out that I had no blood flow. So everything was just dying. And I saw maybe four or five doctors that told me point blank, your career is over. I don't know how to fix this thing to the point to where you could play. And I kind of stumbled upon uh, Dr. Viola over at the Stedman Hawkins Clinic up in Vail. So like I said, he he's the lead doctor for basically hands and upper extremities for the U.S. ski ski team. And he uh, he didn't know how to do it. First time I met him, he looked at my x-ray. And I don't know, if we, when you go to the doctor, they put like that big-ass white sheet on the, t- on the table. So he told me to get up and he drew a big <laughs> wrist on it with all the bones and he was just making notes everywhere and- even Almost like a
1: blueprint.
2: Yeah, like he was trying to figure it out himself, right? He was like, I've never never had this problem before. So it was even new for for him, especially dealing with an athlete. He's seen it with, you know, skiers and stuff like that, but they don't need necessarily the wrist flexibility that that, that I have to have. And so we tried all sorts. Like I said, I had 10 or 12 different surgeries- different fusions. We tried a two-bone fusion, a three-bone fusion, a complete fusion twice. I mean, all sorts of things to try to get me to the point to where I could play. And the big issue was we didn't want to do a complete fusion because once you do that, you lose There's your no going back. There's no going back. Your wrist is fused. can't move it ever again. So like my right wrist just doesn't go anywhere. And now the debate was, can I even play football uh, with that? Which, In hindsight i did Um, most of my interceptions except for i think like two came with a wrist that didn't move um i got records for kickoff returns and stuff like that got drafted in the second round uh but the rest they didn't go anywhere um and that's you know i don't know how the hell i did it but uh
1: what a story
2: i somehow figured it out
1: while all these things are going on how are you kind of then, you know, lay out the, the next steps of like, I'm going to do the NFL thing.
2: I mean, honestly, my sophomore year is when I, cause I started as a freshman a couple of times and I knew I had talent, but when you're that young, you don't really know, at least back then. Right. I mean, yes, social media and all that shit was around. There were scouting services, but it, it wasn't as publicized. Right. So guys coming in probably already know, or have an idea they're getting attention, but that just didn't exist for me. So, NFL wasn't even in my thought process at all. Um, and then when I got to the end of my sophomore year, you know, I had four interceptions that year. I was in a lot of pain, but I was like, all right, I can maybe do this. And then, you know, one surgery and another surgery and another surgery, I got a red shirt my junior year. And it's kind of like, mm, I'm not really sure if this is even possible i know physically i have the skill set to possibly go to the nfl but will my body last right so now you know you're shit, 18 years old trying to process all this information as you're trying to process decisions like having a complete fusion that will change your life forever um and then still try to perform on the field and do schoolwork on top of that yeah um, i mean wild I mean, I used to shit. I, I had to take a couple finals left-handed, right? So I learned to write with my left hand. Uh, oh my goodness! Now it took me a hell of a long time to finish the final <laughs> because I wasn't naturally left-handed, but that's what I had to do. Um, and so, I, to be honest, it didn't even dawn on me probably until midway through my junior year that I could play with the wrist. I was good at it. I was making interceptions. I was making big plays. And that's when phone calls from agents and stuff started coming in, which is a whole nother follow of wax. Right. Cause now at least now you at least have some help, but back then there was no like guidebook on who to pick. Why should you go with this one? You know, what's legal, what's not legal. Like you, you figure all that shit out on your own. Uh, and, you
1: think in that specific subject, you think ignorance was, you know, ignorance is bliss, what have you?
2: I think so. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, rough process but it still should be a fun process like it should be cool to have agents calling you and agents showing up at your game and talking to you and telling you how good good you are which obviously that's their job right they're salesmen they're trying to sell themselves and sell you um but you should be able to enjoy shit like that right and they give you booklets with all your stats and you know what you could be and all that and so ignorance is bliss to a degree um But then there comes a point, especially when you get to your like senior year, right? Like you're starting to get ready and make some decisions. And so even for me, like I actually thought about leaving school early um, because that particular DB class wasn't super, super strong. So I was like, all right, well, let me see and test the waters. And so they gave me kind of a mid to late round grade for a whole gamut of reasons. And I was like, all right, well, no, no harm in just, you know playing another year. I can go in and graduate, but then also I can prove that through another year of playing that my wrist is okay. Um, and for me, it ended up working out.
1: Well, awesome. And like, you know, not to sound corny, but I love to say props, but honestly props to, you know, all those things that you went through. Cause that sounds like a lot of adversity.
2: Yeah. It, it was definitely stressful as hell.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, well, I ask guys this, what is it like to actually get drafted into the NFL?
2: It's uh, it's such a relief, right? Because you, you basically work your whole life for this kind of this moment. second moment, right? It's, it happens quick. Um, and so for me, I knew I was going to be like anywhere from a late first round to somewhere in the second round. So I didn't even watch the damn draft because back then the draft was – it was three days. It was the first – the first day was three rounds. So it's literally all day. Uh, and I knew I wasn't going to be more than likely a first round guy. So I wouldn't play golf. I was like, I, I'm going to go relax. Right. I got to this point, like, let's just chill. Um, and then I got home uh, right at the end of the first round. And that's when you start watching and, you know, your agent's calling you saying he's talking to so-and-so they may do this. They may do that. And uh, Dallas was on the clock uh, for, for me. And uh, I get a phone call and it's from an unknown number, which typically in hindsight, you don't ever answer those, but answer that one, uh, especially, on, <laughs> especially on draft day. Um, and it was Bill from New England saying, basically telling me point blank, like if the Cowboys don't pick you, we we are picking you. So I got the phone call like kind of early. <laughs> so I got to sit there with a straight face in front of, you know, my family and friends waiting for Dallas to make their damn decision uh, was luckily for them. They made it pretty quick. And then obviously I already knew what was happening. So I'm still on the phone trying to hold a straight face. And then obviously the name comes across, they announce your name and all that. Um, I don't remember any of it because everybody was screaming and yelling and you know, it, I'm
1: really kind black out. You think
2: a complete, complete blackout moment. I mean, I had people coming from down the street in my neighborhood, just Aww. banging down the door, walking in the door, coming through the, the, the back the back door. Um, you know, I went from having maybe 10 people in my home to like 50 people in my home. Um, but it was a cool moment. And then after all that's over, I mean, it's interviews, right? So now you're, you're doing an interview maybe two hours after you get drafted. And then, you know, at least back then you're getting on an airplane within about 48 hours and you're going to your destination. So you're packing your bags and you're out and it's time to go to work.
1: Wow. Real quick. I'm all about names. I love your name, Terrence. How was that a family name or is there a story behind that?
2: Yeah. So that was my dad's best friend in college. That was his name. So
1: spelled the exact
2: same. Um, I've met him, I met him a couple of times when I was a young kid, um, Mm -hmm. we were living in California but uh, have vague, kind of like vague memories of them.
0: Very cool.
1: Well, real quick, obviously you can tell I'm kind of unique, weird. So sometimes when I'm talking to people, besides interviews, I get, uh, you know, clairvoyant, whatever. I get images. Sometimes they connect. Sometimes they don't. So the last few minutes I've been talking to you, I see double Dutch. <laughs> you double Dutch, dude, or is that absolutely no connection?
2: No, no, no connection. No connection for me. Uh, my kids, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if there's something with jump ropes. I actually can't stand to jump rope. Like in terms of like working out, like okay. I used to do all sorts of crazy shit working out. But work. But if you ask me to jump rope, I'm not doing it. I don't like to do it. I hate it. It's I, if I own a jump rope, it's in the trash. Probably I can't. Okay. I just, for some reason, I can't do it. I just I'm not good at it.
1: Okay. Interesting. So a connection, but not really. Okay. We'll yeah, see. Connection.
2: Just, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, okay. So you go to new England. What is, you know, it's, it's freezing. How is the cold different than Colorado or even Dallas?
2: It's, it's pretty, pretty fucking cold in, in Boston. <laughs> it's it's cold, man. It's, um, it's, it's a hell of an experience. I mean, my first time there was in May and it was, there was still snow on the ground, mm-hmm. um, which, For me, like, I've been around snow, just not that snow. That is, Boston snow is thick, heavy, dense, not pretty snow. It's not pretty at all, right? It looks pretty when it's coming down, and then you have to realize it's going to stay there for two months. So then they shovel it to the side, and it's gray, and it's dark, and it's black, and your car's covered in shit. You actually have to wash your car a lot because of all the chemicals. If you don't, it'll actually ruin the paint and some of the stuff uh, in the engines with the car, which I had to learn the hard way, unfortunately. But, um, you know, getting there and seeing the city for the first time, beautiful city, Boston's actually one of my favorite cities. Um, you can just walk around and just hang out.
1: Oh, Bless, you. Bless you. So any kind of standout stories from playing with those guys or.
2: Oh God. So, ready, the craziest one, I guess, for me is is a couple. So one was the first person I ever met, because obviously, when you're when you're in college, you play against guys that you always size them up, right? Because football's such a physical sport. So You're like, oh shit, man, that guy's getting big, or ah, he's small, not a big deal. And when you get to the NFL, you you have played against or with most of those guys. But going to New England, a, a historically dominant team. You know, the first time seeing Randy Moss as an example, and it's like, holy shit, he's six foot five. He's like a basketball player or seeing Tom Brady for the first time. And it's like, holy shit, he's also six foot five. And here I am at five foot ten. It's like not sure how I guard a guy that's six foot five. I've done it before, but not. I mean, the shit that he does, you do in video games, right? It's mm-hmm. entirely different. And then you see a guy like Adelius Thomas, who's six, six. He's 200 and shit, 60 pounds runs the 40 in a four, four. And it's just like, that's not real. Like, that's, that's, that's like the dude that you would build in the matting game. <laughs> right. But here he comes walking in and it's like, thank God he's on my side. Um, but you see these, these idols um, that all of a sudden you're with them. Right. And you have to kind of get that star struck, kind of, kind of look out of your eyes and understand like, Hey, they brought you here for a reason. So how you doing, Tom? How you doing, Randy? How you doing junior or you know, Larry Izzo or Mike Vrabel, and the list kind of goes on, Richard Seymour, and you got to fit in, right? And, you know, the New England mentality was you're there for a reason. So do your job. Um, don't, you know, ask questions, don't ask a lot of questions. And it was very businesslike, right? So it's it's my mentality. That's how I naturally am. But it, it was it was it was a bit of a shell shock seeing all those guys for the first time, being like, "Holy shit, you guys are big!"
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. Well, you were at New England, then I understand at Jack at the Jaguars, then yep. the Buffalo Bills, then the Tennessee Titans. Is that correct?
2: Yep, that's correct.
1: So, what is it like to? moved is it is it almost like you're grad when you move to a different team is it almost like you're graduating from this team you're going to a different the only thing i could connect it to is like you're going to a new school like how how does that work mentally
2: yeah it's like going to a new school right i mean you have to learn everything all over again right so when you go to even like for like a regular job like if you get transferred from one city to another you have to relearn everything right Mm -hmm. even if your job is the same Right. You got to learn how to get to the stadium. Where is the stadium? Where am I going to live? All these different things. You have to reset up, you know, your rent and your electricity. I mean, you have to have a a normal life on top of that. And then when you get into the building, you know, you're trying to basically relearn their system. Right. And so cover two is cover two. Cover two is the same that it's been, you know, since I started playing in the fifth grade. But it's called something entirely different per team. So the biggest challenge on top of everything I just named was you're basically trying to learn a new language. And when they come in, like they ain't, you ain't got a whole lot of time to fuck around and say, hey, man, I just don't know what you guys are talking about, you know, on top of the signals. So what we end up doing is, you know, they give you the playbook, which is about that thick. Right. You got all the checks and all the other crap that they do. But what you end up doing a lot is you write next to the name that they call it in the name that you're familiar with.
0: Mm -hmm. So you can
2: start this process of, okay, when they say, you know, let's say it's, you know, cover five, cover five means something, but at New England, we called it DOG, D-O-G. And that told me to do a specific technique in that specific coverage, but it was called something entirely different in Jacksonville. So for me to at least get past the first few days, I just knew it as Doc, so that's what I wrote down. And so when I heard the call come in, then it was easy for me to kind of transition and be like, okay, look, I got it. And then you slowly start to get used to the checks. You get used to the terminology, the language, um, all these different things. So that is by far the hardest, hardest, hardest part is learning. And you hear it all the time. Well, so-and-so has trouble learning a new system. And it's like, well, shit, if he's been hearing the same thing for the past five years, and then all of a sudden you have to go learn a new language, he's, you know, it's hard to pick that shit up in 48 hours, 72 hours. Like that, that's a lot. And that's just the name. That's not even all the different checks that we have, right? If so-and-so motions, if the X motions in and he's next to, to the Y, next to the tight end, and we're checking something else that's called something you've never heard and my responsibility all of a sudden changes into something I've never heard. And you gotta do all this shit as you're actually doing it. Most people can't even text and walk in a straight line. That's a proven fact. Imagine trying to process all this this information and run backwards (laughs) and beat somebody that knows where the hell he's going. As you're trying to think about all these different things that people are telling you that you've never heard before. It'd be like trying to, So flying to France and trying to get around France with no rhyme or reason and you don't speak French. Like you just can't do it. It's hard.
1: Wow. Well, first of all, heads up, the I refuse to go back and upgrade to Zoom, so it looks like I have about eight minutes, which really ticks me off.
2: So that's that's fine. Sorry about that. It went from twenty percent to zero percent
1: no you're fine you're (laughs) fine I was just like oh god um oh my gosh so I was okay so a couple more questions obviously because they're gonna kick they're literally gonna kick me off yeah what is your body with the injuries from college how does that carry over how is your body doing throughout your years in the NFL
2: I mean I think it's like everybody else I mean it's it's beat up um you know I don't think I'm as beat up overall as a lot of people. Um, You know, obviously I got the wrist injury when I got to the NFL, I actually dislocated my other wrist, my left one. Um, That one only required four surgeries in total. Um, I need a right shoulder replacement. My right knee is getting there, but I still, you know, I play golf. I play with my kids. Um, You know, I'm not hobbling around just yet. I mean, I'm only 37. Do I feel older? Absolutely. But that's the, that's the nature of, what we do,
1: I understand. So, what is it like to, you know, I I'm careful when I use retirement. I've learned with just really anybody. But <laughs> what is that to, you know, have that chapter, quote unquote, pause or come to an end? What is that like for you?
2: It's it's always tough when you, I guess, quote unquote, retire, right? Because most of us, when we retire from playing, it's it's forced retirement, uh, AKA fired. Um, and just like with anything, you you take that hard because it's not like you're getting fired from your, your everyday job per se, right? This is a job that you have done pretty much your whole life. And to have that come to, uh, to an end, not by choice, you know, for a lot of us is, is very, very difficult. Um, I think now there's programs out there that help guys prepare for it uh, mentally and emotionally, but then also they start to look at other options. Um, in terms of getting a job, you know, everybody looks at these big contracts, but that's, you know, 10% of the players, they get those those big deals, the the rest of them, you know, they're making league minimum, which is still great. But Uncle Sam takes a good chunk of chunk of that. Uh, I always tell people, we actually get taxed in every single state that we play in. Um, so, you know, a million dollars getting taxed in California, New York, Massachusetts, you know, three of the highest you know, you're, you're paying a pretty penny. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of us have to go out and get a a job. And, and for a lot of us, you know, we just don't think about it until the time comes because you're so consumed about playing and you have to be so in the moment because the competition is so high. Um, that's just what you have to do. And so when you do finally get that call that says, Hey, you know, we're letting you go. It's kind of like, Oh shit. Well, what do I do? And A lot of guys just don't know what to do
1: well and like i said i understand that just because again i've tried to study the medium of this has been part of your life for so long this is like part of your identity so it is someone recently i feel i feel like it was colin branch i don't know if you know him but he told me that it was almost the equivalent to like a family dog passing away that that was the only way that he could compare it
2: yeah I would agree with that because, you know, it's it's finite, right? It's 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 a small window. I mean, yes, you've been doing it your whole life. But when you when you look at it in comparison to, you know, everything else you'll do in your life, it's small. It's a small window. Um, And for a lot of us, it's, you know, it's very, very, very short. You know, obviously, Tom's been playing forever. uh, But, you know, for for the average NFL guy, um, you know, it's one year, one and a half years. Uh, most most of them don't even get vested. Right. So you get a handshake and a pound on the ass and that's kind of it. Right. You don't get benefits. You don't have, uh, you know, annuities or pension or anything like that for for most of the guys. So, yeah, I mean, it it could be rough for a lot of them.
1: I understand.
2: Not to be a Debbie Downer, but that's just... No, but I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean it is the reality in that That sense. is
2: just the reality of it that a lot of people don't know that, right? I mean, you have to play a certain amount of years and a certain amount of games to to get that, right? And that's just even the health benefits, right? Okay. I mean, a lot of guys don't even get that. They, they literally, you know, it's on to the next one. And that is the reality of the sport. They're always trying to find a younger, cheaper, better version of you every day. And that is just the economics of... Any sport, but in particular football.
1: Well, two more questions before Zoom pulls my plug. But do you have any social media that you would like to give a shout out to, or any anything, or no, you want to stay low key? Or um,
2: yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk. I mean, my my company that I, that I work for now, Atavis, uh we basically handle tackling analytics in, in football. Um, so I got into the sports technology space to. To really try to solve this riddle well not solve it but help try to solve this riddle of brain injuries and concussions and all that and so my company we we take 88 different data points and we break down the tackle we grade it we certify every single coach in the state of texas if you're a high school coach you have to be certified in our system that's roughly 24,000 coaches that get certified we work with the carolina panthers in the past texas tech tcu oh, cool. i'm in
1: charlotte very yeah, cool. Charlie,
2: okay, yeah. Yeah, so when Rule was there, uh he worked with us and they were actually one of the better performing teams. Um so if if they want to if you guys want to check out uh Adidas and what we're doing, just follow us on social media. We post daily. Even my old uh director player personnel for New England, Scott Pioli uses our analytics uh to help in draft process.
0: No. So
2: we do we do a lot of cool things. Um, we actually just signed a deal with the NJCAA. So we will actually help in educating coaches basically nationally for all junior colleges and will actually help with targeting penalties uh, as well. So it will be a, a first of its kind uh, deal whenever that announcement comes out here in a couple of days.
1: Awesome sauce. We'll have to check you guys out. Well, Terrence, that's it. Like I said, obviously I could talk to you all day, but I'm gonna have to go.
2: Yeah, well, that's all right. You know, you know where I'm at. So if you want to have another conversation, we can talk. We can talk whatever whatever you want. Uh, you know, whether it's football, whether it's politics, whether it's okay, you know, awesome. whatever whatever. I'm I'm an open book, you know, I work from home. So, you know, I'm 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 available to to chat whenever uh, whenever you are.
1: Okay. Well, like I said, I really appreciate you sitting down and, well, you know, virtually sitting down with me and talking.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I will be in touch when this airs. Okay.
2: Okay. You just keep me posted.
1: Thank you so much. And also, too, before they cut you, anytime or if you think of anyone else that you feel like should talk to me, open door policy. So uh,
2: I'm gonna uh, trust me. If you give me that, I'll probably send you quite a bit. There's there's a bunch of guys with a lot of good stories.
0: This is Field Day with Katie Black. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.